This is the Storm Report. Welcome to the Storm Report podcast in association with the Storm Report Radio Network. I'm your host, Tommy Castor. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of the Storm Report podcast, you'll get a notification. You can find us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts on platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and many more. Also, visit our website, thestormreport.com. You can find out more about what the Storm Report Radio Network is all about. You can follow us on Twitter at the Storm Report and on Facebook just by searching for the Storm Report Radio Network. So we've had some really great conversations and really great interviews here on the Storm Report podcast in recent weeks. And today will be no exception for that as we have Frank Waugh with us here on the Storm Report podcast. Frank is the morning meteorologist at Cake TV in Wichita. It's the ABC affiliate. And we've got a lot to talk about here on this podcast. So first off, Frank, welcome in and thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So I know, Frank, uh, first things first, I know you just came back from vacation. So are you settling back into the normal routine? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, getting back in the routine is is always a little bit of a challenge. But um, you know what? I, I've been doing mornings now long enough that I can kind of, uh, you know, know how to go to sleep at night and, and get back into it. So, uh, yeah, it's always good to have a little time off uh, this summer during the whole COVID uh, pandemic has been uh, kind of a strange summer for us. My family, we've taken a lot of long weekends uh, instead of kind of the big chunks of time where we would normally travel. And uh, I tell you what, there's something to that, you know, taking the the long weekends sure. and a lot of them. Uh, that has been a, a really fun summer. And, uh, and luckily, the weather's, you know, kind of cooperated for most of that. Yeah, definitely. And I would imagine that, you know, and I know we've talked to, you know, several different meteorologists on this program where had the weather been busier this summer, we probably wouldn't have had time to do interviews with them. But it, it certainly seems like the last few months, it's just been a little different as far as the weather's concerned. It, it really has. You know, the, the spring for us was just uh, unreal. I mean, essentially, we had nothing going on during the spring. And, uh, and then we kind of got into this um, MCS pattern where we would just get these overnight storms. And, and those things are, I get the early wake up call often for those. Uh, the way we work our shifts here is uh, 2 a.m. is kind of the handoff time if there's something mm -hmm. incoming. So uh, whoever the overnight meteorologist is, uh, they are tasked with calling me early if I need to get in. Normally I'm in 2.30 to 3 a.m., but uh, those storms, especially coming out of, uh, you know, kind of the high plains as they, they roll out of Eastern Colorado and even, you know, Southern Nebraska, they have a tendency to dive South. And, uh, and really we've had, we've had quite a few events recently where we've had those high wind potential there. And a lot of that happens kind of between two and three 30, there's like an hour and a half window in there where they really get to ripping, uh, and, and then they weaken as we head towards sunrise. So it's been kind of a weird, uh, I've done a fair amount of severe weather coverage, but it's all been nighttime MCS kind of stuff. <laughs> Sure. Well, I definitely want to talk more in just a few minutes about what it's like, you know, being a morning meteorologist, because that's an area that we haven't had any conversations with anybody about. Uh, but before we get to that, I I'd love to know your background and for our listeners that, um, you know, maybe don't know you or don't uh, don't know your background or your history. Uh, talk a little bit about how you got started in the industry. I know you're from South Central Kansas. Talk about how you became interested in the weather industry and, and sort of your path uh, from then to now. 
Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, El Dorado. It's about uh, 30 miles east of where I work now in Wichita. So I uh, grew up in El Dorado, and, uh, and I remember events like the Andover Tornado um, I was always in my basement, uh, and I remember those being uh, kind of foundational events. I remember in the early 90s, some big-time hailstorms. Uh, I have pictures of myself on our kitchen table as a kid holding softball-sized hail. Uh, I remember wow. the, what was dubbed the, uh, the inland hurricane, that uh, a derecho of type event that came through that brought 100-mile-an-hour uh, straight-line winds. We lost big trees at our house. You know, those were early, you know, early 90s. South Central Kansas had some tremendous storms. And I think that those were maybe influential, but, you know, really going through high school and stuff, I did not give meteorology much of a thought. I always enjoyed, I uh, always enjoyed science, but I took a broadcasting class in high school and I loved the broadcasting aspect. And I was my senior year of high school. I was like, what am I going to do? I originally thought I was going to go to Kansas State and do something with wildlife conservation, biology. And then I said, you know what? I said, I took this broadcasting class. I like science. I said, what if I became a meteorologist? And it was almost <laughs> that simple. But I said, that sounds fun. And, and so I enrolled at the University of Kansas. I went there. Uh, that was the only school in state that offered a, a program uh, to get a four-year degree. And so I went to the University of Kansas. And during that time, I had the opportunity to intern uh, at KSN in Wichita uh, with, uh, with Dave Freeman, Mark Bogner, Leon Smitherman, uh, Andrew Kozak. These guys were guys that I watched growing up, and it was a phenomenal experience getting to work with them and uh, uh, you know, really influenced how I did things. And, and kind of early on, uh, you know, kind of said like, you know, if you want to do this, you got to go headlong into it. Uh, I actually had yeah. a chance while I was in college, I actually had a chance to work weekend mornings at KSN for a time. I would drive down every other weekend and uh, myself and Dean Jones would trade back and forth weekends. And I was on air in Wichita doing weekend mornings during Good Morning or the uh, Today Show cut-ins at the age of 20, which was just, it, wow. it was mind blowing to me. I was in my home market getting to do that. So I, I did that for a stint. Uh, I also had a chance to intern with Brian Busby in Kansas City at KMBC. Uh, and that really kind of took things to the next level of excitement and, you know, kind of crafting, uh, present, presenting weather on TV. After graduation from KU, Went on to work uh, just a little over two years at KSNT in Topeka. Uh, really influential time then, and uh, you know, a lot of learning. Small TV stations are great because you mess up a lot, but you learn a lot along the way. Uh, sure. We had a memorable event. The I believe it was uh, June tenth, two thousand eight. The Manhattan Chapman Soldier tornadoes that came through right. as an EF four that hit Manhattan, and. Uh, I was fresh out of college on the air and, uh, you know, really impactful event. There's, uh, you know, we, we went home that night thinking, you know, we did a great job of coverage wise and came in the next morning to find out that we had two fatalities and, you know, it's a gut punch for somebody. Uh, you first get in the industry and you think you're doing an amazing thing. And then you find out, you know, you have a couple fatalities and that, that happened within, you know, roughly a month of being on TV that experienced that. From Topeka, uh, my wife and I then got married and we 
made our way to South Bend, Indiana, worked for about three years there, uh, forecasting lake effect snow and all kinds of squall line events. <laughs> and uh, it, it was incredible working there on the shores of Lake Michigan. You get a lot of microclimate type stuff there along the lake that a uh, little change in wind direction. You can get a 20 degree temperature swing and you get you know, these snow bands that set up off of Lake Michigan where, you know, you, you forecast a dusting and somebody gets 14 inches and, <laughs> and you know, that happened. And, but, uh, then eventually I was presented the opportunity to come back to Wichita by then we were pregnant with our first son and, uh, we wanted to come back home and have a chance for our kids to grow up, uh, close to their grandparents. And, uh, it's, you know, I think most people, you know, want to get back to their home market. There's something, uh, to really be said for getting to talk to people that, you know, and that you, you, yeah. know, you live here, you know, the area and, you know, that's something special to do. Absolutely. Well, I want to go back to what you were talking about when you were, uh, when you were a kid and, and you remember, you know, some of these major, uh, events that happened in, you know, in, in Kansas growing up. And, and it's kind of funny that you mentioned some of those events because a few weeks ago we actually had JD Rudd on the program and, you know, oh, he grew yes. up in Salina. And yeah, I grew up in, in Wichita and, you know, I, I, the conversation that he and I had is similar to the conversation I want to have with you about how, you know, you mentioned these major events in the early nineties that, you know, sort of, um, I, I think it sort of formed a lot of people's, uh, whether it's interest in weather or fear of weather, there were a lot of big events, you know, whether you're talking about the Heston tornado in 1990 or the Andover tornado in 91, Hayesville in 99. Uh, you know, I, I had completely forgotten about that inland hurricane that had happened. I believe that was maybe in 92, yeah. uh, early nineties when that happened. And, you know, I know for me that sort of formed my interest in weather and watching guys like Merrill Teller and Dave Freeman and, you know, even on cake, Jim O'Donnell, uh, you know, the, those were some really, um, you know, just huge events that I think shaped and formed a lot of people's interest in weather. On top of that, the other thing that we had discussed, and I'd love to get your take on on this as well, is the fact that that was the period of time when, for the first time ever, people were able to record these events on video camera, on camcorders. You know, they just had come out and you you got to see video of these major tornadoes and major weather events. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, those sort of things, they, they left an impact on you growing up as well? Oh, yeah. You know, it, it was a really unique time, I think, in the 90s there where uh, you had these, you know, advent of technology. Technology was increasing at the same time that we had some big events. And, you know, and it was really, uh, you know, for me, it was an inspiring time, uh, you know, in hindsight, looking back at what they were doing there in the early 90s that, uh, you know, people were getting really creative in ways of describing uh the storms, how they were moving, um, you know, people in the Wichita area will remember back to the days of the KFDI storm alert map. And, yeah, and that absolutely. was something that, you know, every year, it, and now that I work in broadcasting, I think, you know, it was a genius idea that every year they would change the grid on it. So you had to go get a new one. It was free. They filled advertising on the back, but it was you know, my mother would get it and she would laminate it and put it on the yeah. on the refrigerator. And, and it was really impactful time, I think, for my parents at that time, because, you know, we had some big events and, you know, you'd hear you'd have the radio on. And you hear the crackle of static on the radio uh, with lightning strikes and and, you know, wall to wall coverage had become a thing when it came to TV that, 
yeah, I think it was a really influential time for a lot of folks. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, my colleagues and friends I went to school with uh, at the same time remember those memories. You know, they, they, they have those images of, you know, whether it's just audio in their head, listening to the radio or the TV. Uh, yeah, it was a really special time that I think, you know, probably there's a lot of people in, in this part of the country, probably at, at my age and JD's age, that can uh, link back to those days as inspiration. Absolutely. I mean, I tell people, you know, today that aren't from here about, you know, coordinates G4 on the yeah. Bank 4 KFDI storm alert weather map, and nobody has any idea what I'm talking about. I mean, it's it was such a niche thing for this market in this area. And and I do agree with you that it was absolutely uh, ingenious. And you want to talk about, you know, memories of sounds and things like that from from being a kid. And this is something that um, maybe you can speak to because you're, you're in that building. But I, when I was a kid, I remember the tornado chimes on cake. Yeah. I remember the severe the thunderstorm cowbell. warning alert. I, I mean, it was, and when I was a kid, I'm not going to lie to you. It was terrifying. Yeah. Like it scared me so bad. You know, I'd go hide behind the couch because it was just a, I mean, it was, uh, you know, abrupt and, and, and loud and just, um, you know, not pleasant to listen to. And I know that's something that uh, you guys have brought back on cake. Yeah, we did bring that back on our, our opens now when we do severe weather. We have a, a special tone that is given for a severe thunderstorm warning. But uh, when it is a tornado warning, many people remember uh, Cake was known for the cowbell. And it was a ding, yeah. ding, 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 you know, very <laughs> noticeable sound. And, uh, and, and, and all the TV stations at that time had some sort of tone uh, that, that really alerted you. And I remember... Um, Early on, when I when I interned at at KSN, uh, they had a box in the and this was when we were broadcasting out of Exploration Place, which was just something sure. altogether very cool for people to get up close and personal with meteorologists and and interns like myself. But they had a box that every time a warning was issued, it would it would voice you know a tornado warning has been issued and it would go out and and like as an intern when you're sitting there it just sends chills down you that you know like oh it just got real and uh, yeah. and and it was cool as as an intern we got to do all kinds of you know I would volunteer to come in to help with severe weather coverage and they'd you know put us in charge of you know typing up county names that were you know having a list to show you know who was seeing what and you know my how things have changed with you know, the advent of polygons and all of this stuff being automated when it comes to actually showing you. But uh, yeah, those those audio cues, uh, I think, are burned <laughs> into people's brains here in South Central Kansas. Yeah, I, I mean, just a you know, I think a couple months ago was the first time I'd heard that cowbell in probably 20 years. And I got the same chills down my spine that I got when I was eight years old and and, and was listening to that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing now at Cake. I mean, you're the morning meteorologist. You know, folks can watch you each morning on Good Morning Kansas and Good Morning Cake Land. Um, it, you know, being a, a morning meteorologist is a little bit different than being an evening meteorologist as far as your responsibilities, as far as the way that your presentation changes from morning mornings to evenings, uh, the interaction that you have with the, the anchors. Uh, you know, I, I've had the, the privilege of, you know, I've been able to be a guest on Good Morning Kansas over the years a few times, and I've watched you and Allison and Shane interact with each other in the morning, um, you know, in person and kind of watch that behind the scenes a little bit. Talk a little bit about what, uh, what, it, what it means to be a morning meteorologist and how different it is than anchoring like a 10 p.m. newscast. You know, and it is so much fun. Uh, you know, we have a blast, uh, and 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 you get 
just enough severe weather thrown in, you know, during the early, early morning hours uh, to get your fix. But, um, you know, me personally, uh, when it comes to weather, my passion really lies in the communication of it. You know, we have something that's very complicated, that's overwhelming for a lot of people. And and we recognize people are really busy. Uh, and the chances of them sitting down and watching much of a morning news program on TV anymore, I mean, there's just, there's not a lot of people sitting down for a long time. So, uh, you know, I get to figure out a way to give you the forecast. I mean, really, it's pretty quick. It's what do you need to know as you step out the door, what's going to help you plan your day? You know, there's not a lot of, in the mornings, there's not a lot of explanation of, well, you know, the jet stream is doing this, or we're going to have, you know, this scenario setting up that may, leads to a more active weather pattern. It's much more of, you know, this is what it is right now. This is what it's going to be this afternoon. If you want to mow the yard, I'd do it today, not tomorrow. Like, you know, how do you plan your day? And, and thinking about those busy people. And I love that, trying to figure out new ways to engage people, whether it's through uh, social media platforms or just fun banter in the mornings, you know, breaking down weather topics my, with my co-anchors. You know, if I see something unique, I'll say, hey, check this out. And I'll try to do a little explanation. And then, you know, oftentimes they learn something along the way. But yeah, it, it's a very fun atmosphere. You know, there, there's not quite as much science in it just because of, of the speed that it requires to get through it. And, and we cover a tremendous amount of Kansas. And, and that makes, you know, going into a lot of depth pretty tough. Uh, sure. I, I think we cover, I think it's 75 counties uh, wow. in the state of Kansas is, is what we cover. Something like, It's about two-thirds of the state that we have. So, but yeah, we do have a lot of fun and, uh, and it seems like that, you know, that brings people back watching. They, they enjoy, they get a little humor out of it as well as getting some information. Yeah. So, I mean, I would imagine, you know, it's, it's sort of part meteorologist and, and, and part entertainer, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I wonder, and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I wonder if, had there been other morning, meteorologists that you've looked at? I mean, probably the most popular one that I can think of is Al Roker, right? I mean, he's done it forever, you know, on the Today Show. And and I know that's very little weather and a lot more entertainment, um, but it, it, it's definitely kind of a hybrid role, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, it, it's not quite the the slapstick that uh, TV weather once was. Um, you know, that there was a, there used to be some really interesting things out there, uh, you know, especially, you know, probably 20, 30 years ago. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's quite a bit of humor in it and also a lot of, you know, humility and, and just, you know, explaining to people sometimes that, you know, this is the way we think it's going to play out. And then the next morning we get to see if it actually did and, uh, you know, say, you know what, you know, you know, either we nailed it or we messed up. And, uh, and I think people really do appreciate that. So yeah, we want, people can't, you can't be too serious because we start at 4.30 AM. I mean, if you're <laughs> up at 4.30 AM, uh, chances are you probably need a laugh. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I know you've mentioned it a few different times uh, about the advent of technology. And, and I know that you uh, are, are very engaging on social media. Um, that's a huge part of whether you're a broadcaster or, you know, you, you're in the media world trying to embrace new technology. But in the context of weather, you know, there are so many different ways that people can get weather alerts now. There are so many different ways that people can get their forecasts or they can, you know, get their, their news updates. How difficult is it to be able to adapt and evolve with the new technology that comes out? 
You know, the, the adaption of it, you know, for us is, is really, you know, since we're in it, you know, it isn't, isn't too troublesome, but I could see how it, it is overwhelming. I mean, there's so many, you know, apps out there, so many services giving you information. And, you know, one thing we try to do is, is try to point people in the right direction. Uh, sure, we'd like you to use our app. Uh, we have the ability and we send out a push alert forecast. So you get like a, a 50 second quick bite. We send it to you. you we also have the ability to uh, geolocate like that. You know, if, if we want to send a specific forecast to a group of people, say it's the uh, Walnut Valley Music Festival in Winfield, uh, we can circle that area on a map and we can send them a message. So everybody there using our app, uh, you know, gets that. So, you know, of course we want them to use that, but, uh, you know, I, I recommend everybody have just a really solid uh, radar on their phone. I've taught my wife, you know, my wife uh, can look at the radar and, you know, knows a lot, but part of that is using a, a good quality app to get that, uh, you know, radar scope is what I've used for, I mean, I don't know, I feel like a, more than a decade now I've been using it. But yeah, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff. I, I was just with my parents this weekend and my dad looked at his phone and he says, rain is going to start at 3.32. And I said, really? <laughs> and I said, I said, maybe it will. I said, we'll have to see. But, you know, there, sure. there's so many different things out there. But, you know, I recommend people find, you know, voices that they trust. And, you know, we have to, you know, there's a lot of times people say, well, this app is saying this or that. And, say, you know, then it's trying to explain how that app actually works. How does it come up with the forecast? A lot of times those are using one single model. And then we explain, you know, we go in and we look at lots of information and then try to come up with one forecast out of that instead of just cherry picking. And, you know, that's just education. And luckily, I think here in, you know, kind of the Central Plains, people have a pretty good grasp uh, you know, how things, uh, how the weather actually comes together and how the forecasts actually come together. Do you think there's too much thing, uh, to, you know, such thing as too much warning when it comes to severe weather? Um, well, there's not such thing as too much lead time, I don't think. But uh, I'm afraid that that even though the, the number of warnings have been cut back dramatically, I think that there's still the chance that we uh, are getting too many warnings. Uh, and I, I think we're probably going to eventually see a point where uh, the criteria changes. It, you know, folks will remember it used to be penny-sized hail uh, was the criteria to get a severe thunderstorm warning. And it was here in, I believe, you know, potentially, I think the Wichita office, National Weather Service office may have been one of the original test places to say, hey, penny-sized hail does not pose a huge threat to life and property. So they said, let's, let's sure. up this to the one inch criteria. And, you know, as, as housing gets better, you know, as housing materials and cars get built stronger, uh, you know, I think we could, you know, maybe see that again. I don't know if it's going to be on the hail side or the wind side, uh, but, uh, you know, even the, the 60 mile an hour wind gusts in Kansas, a lot of times doesn't result in a lot of damage. Uh, we get those often enough that the weak limbs of trees come out, uh, and most houses are built to sustain that. So I do think we're probably going to see that change at some point. But, uh, you know, the warnings that our partners at the National Weather Service put out, I know that they try their best to, to put them out only when necessary, and, and we really appreciate that. 
So Frank, this is a question that uh, that I like to ask anybody that I have on the on the program that has been uh, a, a television meteorologist, whether in the past or, or currently, uh, and it's something that I know is a hot button issue and and you know something that that uh, yeah, there's always been a lot of conversation about. And I would imagine, especially here in Kansas, where you do cover upwards of seventy five counties, and I know that depending on you know where you're located in the state, you know there are are different you know ways that you can select different segments of the state to break in for warnings for, but you're always going to hear people that say, you're interrupting my favorite show for a warning that's somewhere else. Or, you know, what, what, you know, I, or maybe I want to watch more weather coverage and I, I, I want you to break into these shows. I I'm sure that there's a, a, an area where you just can't make everybody happy, but um, you know, I'm sure that's something that uh, you and your colleagues have heard quite a bit as far as, you know, interrupting shows for severe weather coverage. Yeah, we do hear that quite a bit. We are lucky that we do have multiple towers. So, I mean, we have towers in Colby and Garden City and uh, Great Bend, Hayes, Russell area, Salina. So we do have the ability to go to just one tower and uh, and broadcast off of that tower for, for corners of, of what we refer to as our coverage areas, Cakeland. Um, but there is a flaw in that, and that is that the satellite customers get their feed from Wichita. So you can be sitting in Colby, uh, a tremendous distance away from Wichita, and if you are on a, a satellite dish provider, you're getting your information from us. And sure. so, you know, if it is a life-threatening situation, we are going to be cutting in and, and covering it. But on the same token as that, we also recognize that in some instances in the state of Kansas, you can have a tornado warning. And if, uh, you know, because of a lack of spotters, if, if it's not confirmed, if it's just radar indicated and because of incredibly low population density, uh, there are times that uh, we will stand down. We don't have a hard, fast rule that if a tornado warning is issued, we're going to be on the air, you know, for that entirety. Uh, right. that, you know, we're observing the radar. If it appears things are weakening, if we don't think the couplet is as strong anymore, uh, we will stand down. So we want to respect our viewers, but at the end of the day, uh, we have an obligation and, you know, that's even held in our FCC license that, you know, that license that we hold says we cover severe weather. And if we choose not to, uh, that license is in jeopardy. So, uh, we know that the right thing is to you know, cover it as much as need be. And then as soon as we can get off the air, because we want to respect people. Uh, and, you know, it, it's a fine line we have to walk. And right. uh, luckily, the more information we're getting, I mean, we get, you know, there's, there's more spotters out there. There's more people with cell phones. As you give us that information, that helps us determine, you know, for, with some ground truth of whether or not we're going to stay on the air. Uh, for the entirety of different warnings. I, I recall one time I was doing a, a uh, severe thunderstorm warning or a, a tornado warning, excuse me, for uh, southern uh, southwestern Barber County. And uh, there's a place called Deerhead. And uh, at, at one point there must have been a town in Deerhead, uh, but there's one house in Deerhead. And in that <laughs> warning, uh, they'd trimmed it down. There was, I believe, one ranch in Deerhead at that point, and the storm had passed it. And so uh, it was only upon further inspection, I zoomed in and got on Google Earth. And I was like, that that warning, I mean, there was essentially nobody in it. And that's right. a possibility in Kansas. 
Absolutely. Well, Frank, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you about the Wizard of Wah, which I know is something <laughs> that, you know, on on Good Morning Kansas, that is a, you know, very popular segment. A lot of people love that. And, you know, I would imagine, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier on in the interview about your your love for science, you know, growing up and all of that. Walk me through where the Wizard of Wah came from and and, you know, what you enjoy doing about that. Yeah, my producer for our show called Good Morning Cakeland, it runs from 9 to 10 a.m. It's much more of a, a lifestyle show, uh, but we still have weather in it, and there's still just a little bit of news. Uh, she came up with this idea and said, hey, let's call it the Wizard of Wah, and we're just going to send you out and let you do crazy and different odd things. Uh, and while I'm <laughs> out there, I also do a weather report from wherever I'm at and uh, use an iPad to do the weather. Uh, and... It has been a, a, a tremendously fun time that uh, I've been to different restaurants where I got to try my hand at cooking. I trained with the uh, Sedgwick County Fire and Rescue, and they let me rappel off of the roof, and I did the weather while suspended. Wow. I hung upside down on TV, and uh, it, it's been an opportunity to you know, uh, just indulge in things that I always wanted to try. And that, that was when we went out to Sedgwick County fire as a kid, I always thought it'd be fun to be a firefighter. And they let me put on the full gear. They let me pull a hose off the truck. They said, if you want to pull it all the way back, go for it. It's got 90 PSI on the end of this nozzle, <laughs> you know, hang on tight. <laughs> and so of course I'm on live TV. Of course I had to, uh, let it rip. Uh, we did weather from a sailboat one time. I'd never been on a sailboat. We went sailing in the middle of Cheney Lake, uh, wow. went paddleboarding downtown, did weather live out on, uh, on, uh, a paddleboard. And, uh, it was just a, a fun experience to get out in the community, try new things, do the weather from, uh, different locations, which always can be a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, you know, it's fun. It gets you out of the studio and it, uh, you know, it's just neat to change things up and, and people really enjoy it. And, uh, it helps you connect with viewers in different ways that they see you out there doing something other than just talking about the weather. It's a nice change of pace, I would imagine, for sure. Uh, before I let you go, Frank, you know, one question that uh, I always like to end the show with, and uh, I've, I've asked all of my guests the same thing, uh, you know, one part of the, or the main part of this interview and the main part of this podcast is to talk a little bit more about the human aspect of weather. You know, anybody can come on and talk about the science of it and talk about, you know, the intricate inner details of the, the science behind weather, but there is a human aspect, and especially uh, for someone like you, who is on in the mornings and you know on lifestyle shows and it's a little bit more entertainment than science are there memorable moments that you've had over the course of your career where you know uh, whether they've been fun moments or maybe moments that are a little bit more heavy but are you know that that take you away from just reporting the weather but realizing that what uh, you know what meteorologists do is in some cases a matter of life and death and trying to warn the public and protect people from you know whether it's loss of life or or, or their livelihoods, are there moments that stand out to you? And, and what does that mean to you as far as having that responsibility? Yeah, it, you know, the, the responsibility, uh, it weighs heavy on me um, that, you know, when, when we hear stories or see images of, of especially things that are preventable, uh, you know, that's what really gets me. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to see, uh, you know, an image that, that stands out in my mind. And, and this was you know, soon after coming to cake, uh, there was a school bus that was washed off of a low water crossing in Butler County. And, hmm. uh, kids were on the bus. They were going home. 
you know, the, the driver made a human error. You know, I, it wasn't malicious. I don't, in my opinion, it wasn't malicious or anything like that. You know, they, they made a mistake and they, they drove a bus across a low water crossing, which the state of Kansas has, you know, tens of thousands of low water crossings and uh, people drive over them often. Uh, but on that instance, it was too much and it tipped a bus on its side. Luckily, they got all the kids and the driver off safe. Uh, you know, but seeing images like that, uh, they hit home and we, you know, when you start talking about those, you know, like you, you think, you know, what if that was my kids or, or my family member involved? And, uh, a lot of times when we're covering severe storms, like I, I find myself in South central Kansas, sometimes, you know, getting choked up thinking about the idea of warning areas where there may be people that I know that, you know, may be there, uh, you know, oftentimes, right. uh, we try to, you know, I, I hit on the fact that, you know, we have a lot of recreation lakes in South central Kansas, whether it's Cheney or El Dorado or up at Marion. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people camping out there and it's, you know, there's been times when doing severe weather coverage that I've said, if you know that there's somebody out there that doesn't have a way of getting an alert, call them, you know, find out, you know, if they're safe, you know, give them a heads up uh, because there are real people out there. And it, it definitely has been a different scenario or it, it feels different reporting in your home country. You know, your, the area you grew up in, roads you know, you know, all across Butler County, there's houses I recognize or I know people live here or there. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, it gives me the chance to after storms, I'll text somebody and say, hey, ho hope you're doing well. How were those storms last night? You know, they know that I was right. watching. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it, there, there's a, a human element to it that, you know, when we're in the heat of the moment, you try to, you know, maybe push a little bit of that back because it can be distracting and it, it can kind of muddle the message, I think, sometimes. But uh, it's definitely there. And uh, one, uh, a quote that uh, Dave Freeman told me, and I, th I think this must have been while I was interning with him as, a, as you know, in, in college, he said, uh, he said, never root for the storm, root for the people. And, uh, yeah. you know, that, that, that really rings true, especially in a culture of where, you know, people love to get that image of that tornado. And, you know, there's so much hype about storm chasing and the thrill and the adrenaline and, and no doubt that's there, but I think it's easy to sometimes get too excited about those images and forget that, you know, those are people's lives getting uprooted. Well, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, obviously folks that are in your position have that responsibility to try to, to warn and alert and protect the people that, uh, that, that trust them and, and are watching them. And so, uh, last but not least, before we let you go, if there are, uh, our listeners out there that want to connect with you, they want to follow you on social media, obviously, if they want to watch you in the mornings, uh, how can they do so? Yeah, you know, if, if you want to watch us in the mornings, we broadcast live on cake.com. That's K-A-K-E. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle on there, I, I, I should know these. We had to change them recently. Uh, Frankwa, K-A-K-E. <laughs> and then it's the same way on Facebook. Frankwa, K-A-K-E uh, is where you'll find me. And, uh, you know, I love interacting with people there. People ask questions. Uh, you know, I try my best to get back to all of them. Uh, we love sharing people's photos that they send in. Uh, you know, it's a the, social media, it, it's, you can spend a lot of time on there and, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of good that does come out of it, especially in the weather enterprise. Sure. We get a lot of good information and, you know, also help a lot of people that I just replied to somebody today who needs help setting up their weather radio. I said, send me your phone number. I'll call you tomorrow. Oh, well, that's awesome. And uh, I know that uh, there are a lot of people in this area that uh, that enjoy watching you and and, and trust you and and, uh, and know that, uh, that you're looking out for them for sure. So Frank, uh, really appreciate you being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. It's Frank Waugh. He's meteorologist at Cake TV in Wichita here on the Storm Report podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a new episode, you'll get a notification. Again, you can find us on platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Until next time, I'm your host, Tommy Castor. You've been listening to the Storm Report podcast in association with the Storm Report Radio Network.